Welcome to the Strong Mamas Podcast, where we're talking about our fitness and food choices as moms in real life and in light of our faith as Christ followers. I'm your host, Megan Dahlman, and together we'll be exploring what it means to be a healthy, strong mama in the middle of a culture that's obsessed with vanity. This podcast is all about helping and equipping you to take better care of yourself and the ones you love. Hey there, and welcome back to the Strong Mamas podcast. I'm back this week with my co-host and husband extraordinaire, Scott. Hi, everybody. And we have a fantastic discussion lined up for today's episode. We're going to be talking all about this concept of intuitive eating. It might be something that you may have heard of before. So we're going to dive all the way into that and look at exactly what this is and how you can start implementing intuitive eating today. You may have already heard about intuitive eating in one degree or another, but I bet you haven't heard about intuitive training. That might be a new concept to you. And Scott, I know that I floated that idea with you earlier today and you're like, I've never heard. I have no idea what you're talking about. Never heard about that one. So this might be a fairly new idea to you too. So could be a really big light bulb moment perhaps with your workouts. So this is going to be really fun to talk about. Now on the last episode of the Strong Mamas podcast, we talked all about mom guilt or dad guilt. I mean, just parental guilt in general. And we chatted about how mom guilt is not healthy, nor is it appropriate in any situation, yet we still feel it all the time. We're constantly aware of this general sense that we're dropping the ball or we're not good enough at managing life, managing motherhood, fatherhood, whatever it might be. And we feel this pressure of inadequacy. And we might be feeling that from inside of ourself or maybe from our social circles that we in, but we need to be aware of it and learn to let it go. And so Scott, you and I had that deep conversation last week about how to spot the sources of mom guilt and powerfully confirm our right standing before the Lord. So guys, if you missed last week's episode, please make sure to go back and listen to it soon. It was really liberating for so many of you moms that struggle with mom guilt on a regular basis. And I know this for a fact because we were able to discuss these pressures even more in the Strong Mamas squad. And guys, if you haven't heard yet, I want you to know that you are invited to join the Strong Mamas squad with us. Okay, it's a private community of moms that I want you to be a part of. The Strong Mama Squad is a free Facebook group that's a great place to connect with other mamas around fitness, nutrition, mom life, and Jesus. If you need some accountability and support for your health journey and a safe, trustworthy place to learn more about your own self-care without feeling that pressure to be perfectly fit and healthy, then the Strong Mama Squad is the place for you. And all week long, we specifically discuss topics related to the podcast and dig deeper into the conversations about our eating habits and exercise and even struggles with mom life, kind of like the mom guilt this past week. If you've been enjoying this podcast, but just kind of wish that what you're learning here would really stick with you more, then being in this community will help. So I want you to consider this your formal invitation. And Liz, who's the other admin in the group with, and she's my right-hand girl too, she and I would both love to see you there in the group with us. Okay, so head to the show notes for the link to join the Strong Mama Squad so that you can make a request to join today. 
Now, second thing, if you haven't yet, you guys, I'd love for you to take a moment to go rate the show and leave a quick review. Like I always say, the more reviews that a podcast has, the more moms just like yourself will be able to find the podcast show and benefit from it too. And this week, I just want to take a quick moment and share what Elsie2911 said. She said, I love Megan's podcast. So much good practical information. And as a subscriber to her beginner workouts, I can say my core strength has improved so much since just September. I love her outlook and how doable she makes fitness and nutrition for even the busiest mom. Thank you so much, Elsie. Now, guys, if you're wondering what Elsie was mentioning here with the beginner workouts, she's actually a member of my online coaching program and is not the only one that's having major body breakthroughs from the membership. So, so cool to be a part of. Okay, so now it's your turn to go write a quick review. So head on over to iTunes if that's the platform that you listen on and leave a quick review. Okay, guys, so now to the topic at hand, intuitive eating and training. And I know the training piece might not be anything that you've heard about before, but we're going to wrap it into one. So, Scott, have you heard about intuitive eating? Maybe just that part? No. You've heard of (laughs) it? I've heard you mention it before, but as we were talking about this podcast, I was thinking to myself, this one's going to be a little interesting because most of the times I feel like I have a little bit of an idea of your topic, but today I feel like I'm completely in the dark learning what the rest of them. (laughs) Like, I have no idea what you're about to talk about here. (laughs) All right. So you may or may not have heard about this idea, but I'll just start out by saying that I love it. (laughs) I really, really love it. So let's just say that first. Okay. So know that this is something I don't find it's controversial or something that we need to like debunk because I don't, I actually love it. So, and I know some of you have asked me, what do you think about intuitive eating? And I'm like, yes, all the yeses. I love intuitive eating and I'll tell you why on the show. So Scott, by the end of this episode, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. All right. (laughs) So My favorite quote that I found that sums up what it's like to be an intuitive eater is this. It's a person who makes food choices without experiencing guilt or an ethical dilemma. It's someone that honors hunger, respects fullness, and enjoys the pleasure of eating. Sounds nice. Yeah. It sounds amazing. (laughs) Guilt-free pleasure in eating? I'm in. Yeah. So intuitive eating, it's basically the opposite of following a diet, okay? It includes having a set of healthy guidelines, but then going beyond those rules or guidelines or habits that you're supposed to follow and using your own wisdom and discernment to ultimately guide your food choices, okay? So it's taking it one step further. I think so much with eating and with trying to eat healthy, We just want to be given a set of rules to follow, and I think that's where many of us stop. And because we stop at just the set of rules to follow, it never can become a lifestyle. We never learn it. We never own that journey ourselves and ever check in with, how does this make me feel? What do I like about this? How, what what are the results that I'm experiencing? And we never make those connections or have those conversations with ourselves, And so it can never turn into a lifestyle. Well, that's because diets are just a set of rules. So you follow the rules. I don't need yeah. to think about how it's making me feel because most of the time I don't like how it's making me feel. Right. So, I mean, with a diet, you can check out. So you can just follow the rules and you just, and, and actually the point is that you're trying to remove your brain from the conversation. 
as much as possible because you kind of know that when your brain gets involved, that's when things go sideways. <laughs> this sounds like my life in a lot of ways. <laughs> like, just don't think. Don't just think. Just follow the rules. Which is okay to a certain degree, which is why diets work so well in the beginning is because you're just trying to follow the rules. But we're human beings. We have feelings. We have emotions. And we actually want to think through things. And once we start to think about something, we're like, huh, maybe I don't like this. And so with dieting, you just check out and you try to not actually use your brain. I think the other thing with a diet is that you're either on or you're off. There's not a whole lot of wiggle room. And because of that, there are lots of opportunities with a diet to feel like a failure because it's really hard to be on all the time. It's just really, really difficult to constantly be checking off all the rules and having none of that wiggle room. And it's joyless. Right. Yeah. Going back to that, like some, that, that quote that sums up what intuitive eating is, it's enjoying the pleasure of eating. I don't feel like that phrase can ever be applied to dieting. No. Like, yes, I'm enjoying the pleasure of eating. (laughs) No. And with dieting, it's just never wisdom based at all. Okay. And because of that, you don't experience it any sort of maturing with your relationship with food. You never take that next step. You're kind of perpetually stuck on a diet roller coaster. So by gaining the skills of being an intuitive or a more mindful eater, you can make healthy choices consistently and for the rest of your life. It becomes a lifestyle, which is, I think, what all of us really want. We want to be able to enjoy the pleasure of eating. And that's where the lifestyle piece comes into play. So honestly, I believe if you look at people who eat healthy as a lifestyle without realizing it, they are an intuitive eater. So let's dive into what that actually means to be an intuitive eater, because by the end of this episode, I want you to be really clear about about what that might look in your own life. So Scott, by the end of this, you're going to be an intuitive eater. All right. <laughs> you might actually already be one I know, and not I realize think I might it. Be. That's what I'm thinking as we're <laughs> reading through this. It's starting to click. You're like, ah, I bet I actually am already. Okay. So what does it actually mean to let your intuition be your guide? Because I'll be honest, this could also go sideways real quick. I mean, if you're always thinking, my intuition is telling me to eat corn dogs, Hot Pockets, and Milk Duds all day long. (laughs) That's probably not intuitive eating. (laughs) That might be my intuition. Well, it might actually be foolish eating. So really with intuition, we need to have that wisdom piece alongside it. And so that's not intuition of just listening to your feelings and going along with what your feelings are always telling you. So that that's not intuitive eating. With intuitive eating, you have to start with the right education, kind of the right framework around food. You can't start with nothing. You can't just make up how you're going to eat. You need to begin with good guidelines. So you can't come into intuitive eating without any understanding of what it means to eat healthy. You have to begin with a solid framework of healthy eating guidelines, and you need to make sure that they're sound and that they're already consistent. Bring it back to what I like to call the strong mama's healthy eating habits. Okay, so let's review those real quick in case you've been living under a rock for the last nine months and you have no idea what the strong mama's healthy eating habits are. Okay, so the first one is this. If it's a regular mealtime, 
if it's breakfast, lunch, dinner, you need to make sure that you stop what you're doing and you eat. You prioritize feeding your body. You don't haphazardly skip meals here and there and suddenly eat when you feel hungry all of a sudden, okay? But then on the flip side of that, if it's not a meal time, you have to employ some discipline so that you're mind, not mindlessly munching in between meal times. So if it's a meal time, you eat. If it's not a meal time, you don't eat, okay? Sounds simple enough. Pretty simple. Then the next healthy eating habit that you need in place is that you eat your pros with each of these meals. And guys, this is like the easiest thing that you'll remember for the rest of your life. Eat your pros. Protein starts with pro. (laughs) So with every single meal, you have protein. With every single meal, you also have, what's the other pro, Scott? Produce? Yes. And what's produce? Is it just vegetables? Yeah. No, it's fruits. (laughs) It's vegetables. So... Protein always needs to be the star of your dish. And I don't care if it's plant-based protein or animal-based protein, but it's got to be there. That's the first thing you think about when you're creating your meals. The second thing is making sure that there is produce there in abundance, lots of it, whether it's fruits or vegetables. I think what's awesome about the simplicity of this is that you could ask any one of your members and probably anybody who's read anything you've ever put out about nutrition yeah about what megan's fundamental is and it will be your pros well and what's funny is that i will come across people who you know listened to me at a talk one time or caught something i said years and years ago you know maybe six years or longer and they're like i still listen to that i still use eat your pros as my guideline i've never forgotten that and that's so awesome that something so simple that has nothing to do with dieting can stick with you forever and help you guide your meal choices at every single meal. And I think that's what's really cool about it is that it's not a diet. We're not saying you have to eat this or you can't eat this specific thing. It's you have a whole choices here. As long as it is protein and produce, eat your heart's desire. Yeah. You can walk into a restaurant and look at the menu and be like, okay, which thing on here has protein and produce? I know I need to eat my pros, so... Let me pick the thing that's got both of those. Now, the next thing is making sure that you're being deliberate about adding in some form of healthy fats. So you're not leaving those off. You're making sure that you have some type of healthy fat always on your plate as well. So what are some examples of healthy fats? So nuts, seeds, fish. I try to eat fish a couple times a week. Um, If you feel like you're not doing that, taking a fish oil supplement is is helpful. Olives, olive oil, avocados, coconut, butter, other forms of dairy. So there's lots of a variety of healthy fats for you guys. The next thing is, of course, being mindful about when and what forms of starchier carbohydrates that you eat, always choosing whole unprocessed versions. So this is like bread, rice, pasta, potatoes, anything that's kind of starchy making sure that you're not reaching for something that's highly processed, but it should look like maybe it's original product, how it originally came. (laughs) And I know this can be a tricky thing for some people, which is why I think it's really cool that in your Strong Mamas coaching group, that this is something you've been working with them on over the last week or so. It's really taking a deeper dive into this. Yeah, and we break it down and help them see like, okay, you you can manipulate this a little bit for your own specific goals and body type. Some people might feel best if they don't eat 
a lot of starchy carbs. Other people do feel good if they eat starchier carbs with every meal. So it's not like this across the board, avoid them all together. It's far more personalized than that. But the foundation is still there that every meal is pros no matter what. And so if you're confused about the starchy carb aspect, just bring it back to the basics of eating your pros. And then the next thing, the next strong mama's healthy eating habit is making sure that we're drinking clear calorie-free beverages to hydrate you well all day long. I think being dehydrated is something that many moms would probably agree that they struggle with because we drink a lot of beverages that might have a lot of calories in them. And so prioritizing those clear calorie-free beverages on a regular basis is really important. Yeah, I think it's especially tough for stay-at-home moms because right. you have to think about it. You're so busy throughout your day, you're doing a million things. I, at least I know for me, when I used to work in an office, it was easier for me yeah. because there was a water cooler and you'd want to get up from your desk and get away from it for a minute. So I'd be drinking water all day long while sitting at my desk. But at home, there's a million other things going on and it's really easy to get to the end of the day and be like, wow, I drank one glass of water today. Yeah. Or you're like, man, I look back at the beverages I drank today. I had a latte, I had a soda, I had coffee with creamer in it. You know, all these beverages that actually had a lot of calories in them. It's like, I probably would feel a lot better if I had drank mostly water today instead. So that's another very important healthy eating habit. The next one is eating slowly and stopping when you feel about 80% full. This is one that we talked about a couple weeks ago on the podcast. And then finally, it's splurging on your absolute favorite foods, the ones that deviate from these healthy habits that I just mentioned, and making sure that you're only splurging occasionally and in line with your own personal goals. And we did dedicated an entire podcast episode to this too, so you can scroll back through and find our podcast episode on splurging. So these are the healthy eating habits that become your starting point. These are your initial guidelines for when you're in doubt. These are kind of those concrete rules, so to speak. I actually don't like calling them rules because no. there's something about rules where we kind of want to fight against it. <laughs> like, don't put a rule on me. But when you call them a habit, you're like, yeah, that sounds pretty good. I like habits. So these are your habits that you can always fall back on and kind of check in with to make sure that you're on track. So that is step one <laughs> for intuitive eating. Now to take it one step further into this intuitive place is we need to turn your brain on and turn it way up. And I think that this is what deviates from classic dieting suggestions is that with dieting, it like we said, it's just checking those boxes and not really caring what your brain thinks about it. But this is more, it's taking those healthy eating habits, those guidelines I just mentioned, and bringing your own mindfulness and awareness into the picture. So you begin to let yourself notice how certain healthy and unhealthy foods make you feel. I mean, do you guys ever stop to think about like, man, I drank a lot of soda today. How did that actually make me feel? And you and I have this joke because occasionally we'll drink a Diet Coke, which is hilarious because we used to drink it all the time, but now we don't. And if there happens to be a Diet Coke in the house, what do we do? What do, we do? <laughs> Go, I'm going to have a Diet Coke. I think I need a headache. Yeah, I'm ready for a headache, so I think I'm going to crack open a Diet Coke. But that realization came one day when we both had this conversation of like, man, every single time I have a Diet Coke, I have 
an instant headache. And I don't like the way that feels. And so it's just stopping to notice how certain healthy foods make you feel and how certain unhealthy foods make you feel. Have you stopped to notice how you feel when you drink plenty of water and when you're well hydrated all day long? You probably feel better. And that's going to be a good encouragement to continue to make that practice. Another thing is, have you stopped to notice how you feel after you have a good big salad for lunch versus like a burger and fries for lunch? What's the difference? Can you describe the difference in those feelings and let that begin to guide your choices? If you feel sleepy time a half hour after you eat your lunch, that's when you need to (laughs) reevaluate. If you don't feel more energetic and excited and ready to go, like, maybe look back at what you just had and perhaps there's something that you should change. Now, the next thing with intuitive eating or another aspect of it is you're becoming far more aware of your body's own fullness cues. I think often we just have this attitude of like, if it's on my plate, I need to eat it all. But when you start to eat slowly and notice, man, I'm starting to get full, I'm reaching that 80% fullness mark, it's probably a good time to stop because I'm feeling more content. That's a really, that's an intuitive decision that you're making. And I think you'll find yourself eating less than you think you need to. Right. That's what's always interesting to me. And I think it's because we grew up with this idea of clear your plate. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure many of your parents, just like my parents, it's on your plate. You got to clean your plate before you step away. But I've had to learn, especially when you're dining out, that that is not a real human being portion size that they give you. So do not try to clear your plate. Yeah, so honoring those fullness cues and respecting them and knowing that, you know what, I'm going to have another opportunity to eat in probably a couple more hours. Another meal is coming. I don't need to gorge myself. That requires some intuition. That's a piece of intuitive eating. Another thing is that you're learning how to choose foods with a purpose. So you're no, you're no longer eating haphazardly. And what I mean by this, some examples, is that your peri workout meal, Scott gave me a funny look. Do you know what peri workout meal is? No. So a peri workout meal is any meal that lands on either side of a workout. So it could be your pre workout oh, meal post. or post workout meal. So whatever meal happens to be the closest to your workout, you're far more strategic and deliberate about the foods that you're eating during that meal with the purpose of helping you recover optimally. So you're seeing all the pieces that are in play and you're making deliberate choices based on a certain outcome that you want. That takes intuition. Another piece is that you're choosing varieties of fats, like we said earlier, to help you cover your basis. Because a lot of us, we might only be eating healthy fats from one category, that olive oil category. And a lot of the healthy, so the so-called healthy fats that we're familiar with fall in that one type of fat category. And so once you learn more about nutrition, you realize like, wow, there's these three different categories. And now when I eat lunch, I'm going to see if I try to get my fats from a different category. I'm going to try to eat something a little different this time. So that is intuition. Another thing is that you're strategically selecting types of produce and protein with the knowledge of the effects that it has on your body. For example, recently I've been trying to eat a little bit more salmon. Salmon is really high in vitamin D. This is the dead of the winter right now, and I know for sure that my vitamin D 
absorption from the sun is really low right now. It's so, non-existent here in Oregon. It's really non-existent right now. And so I'm purposefully and strategically eating foods that are a little bit higher in vitamin D to make sure that I'm covering my bases. So it's not just haphazardly eating foods that you might happen to have lying around. You're actually eating things with a purpose and a plan. Another aspect of intuitive eating is that you know how to indulge in a splurge well without overindulging. We talked about that hunger and, or the fullness cue earlier about knowing when to stop at 80% full, but this really applies to the splurging situations too. What do you do when you choose that you are going to have that burger and fries? Are you going to overindulge on it just because it's a splurge opportunity? Or are you going to eat it slowly and recognize that, man, if I overindulge, I'm not going to feel good. And actually, you know what? Whenever I have the fries with this, I really don't feel good. So maybe I'll just have the burger and leave out the fries and sub in a salad instead. It's still a splurge, but it's gonna, I'm going to feel better. And I think another way you can do that is when you talk about sweets, yeah. is getting your sweets in the form of an actual decent serving size. Yeah. So instead of a king size candy bar, right. getting a piece of chocolate, a single truffle, something like that. And I think people will be surprised how you can be satisfied with less than you think. Yeah. Whereas if you've got a whole bag of M&M sitting in front of you, I'm looking at myself in the mirror right now, <laughs> I'm going to eat that whole bag of peanut M&M's. <laughs> Yes, I've done that too. <laughs> That's for sure. And that kind of wrapped up into that is this idea of contentment. Are we able to eat something that's a, that falls in that splurge category and be content with smaller amounts of it? Or do we feel like there's never an end to the amount that we want and we have no level of contentment with it? So that's a piece of intuitive eating, is knowing how to be content with just enough and not overindulging. Also, when you're an intuitive eater, you're an active participant in your food choices, and you have a constant filter of questions that you ask yourself. So these questions, I'm going to list out a bunch of questions for you guys that I want you to ask yourself with each meal, and I will list these in the show notes so that you have them. These might be helpful for you to print out and just take with you or, or put in your phone if you need to, just to remind you. But this is going to be helpful to keep you in that place of, I'm going to eat intuitively. The first question is, does this meal comply with the Strong Mama's Healthy Eating Guidelines? Does it match up with what I know to be good, healthy eating? The answer might be no, but that's okay too. It just means that it's a splurge, but you need to know whether it is or not. So stop and ask yourself that. The next question is, is there anything that I can change about this meal or add or take away from it to make it a better meal for my body or maybe a meal that would feel better? Sometimes we'll just eat it anyway, but if we pause and just say, you know what, I'm going to actually add this to it or I'm going to add a healthy fat to it or maybe I don't need this piece of bread on this this time. So just stopping long enough to say, is there anything that I could change that would make it better? That's a good question to ask yourself. Another question is, how will this food or beverage make me feel in about 30 minutes? <laughs> kind of that 30-minute filter. A lot of things can happen in 30 minutes. Does this food, is it going to make me hungry still? Is it going to make me feel stuffed or sugared out or maybe lethargic? Kind of like we mentioned earlier. 
So stop and ask yourself, man, if I eat this gigantic bowl of cereal, of Fruit Loops, <laughs> how am I going to feel in 30 minutes? I know I'm going to feel hungry because there's no protein there and there's no produce, which has good fiber there. I'm going to feel sugared out. I'm going to feel lethargic and I'm going to feel miserable if that's my choice right now for this meal. And I always think of the old Chinese food joke about being hungry again <laughs> in 30 minutes. doesn't matter how much Chinese food you eat, you're going to be hungry Oof. again. And you're probably going to be lethargic and a little salted out with salted uh, out, our yeah. American Chinese food. Oh but. my gosh. Yeah. Another good question to ask yourself is, will I feel better if I just eat less of this? It's a great question. Like maybe you do have a splurge item sitting in front of you and you're like, maybe, maybe I will feel better if I learn how to be content with a little bit less this time. You know, it could be pizza. Maybe you're used to eating four pieces of pizza or three pieces of pizza. And if you were to stop long enough and say, hey, would I feel better if I just ate two? Or maybe I'll just eat one and have a salad with it instead. Would that make me feel better? Well, and I think a key to that too is not walking up with your plate and going, oh, I eat four pieces of pizza and throwing right. four pieces on there. Yeah. Because then you're going to eat four pieces of pizza, but you might find yourself if you throw two on there, Yeah. I eat the two, I feel satisfied, and I don't need those extra couple of pieces. Right. So being an intuitive eater in that situation is not having assumptions about what you normally do. Another question that we can ask ourselves is, will this meal be helping or hindering me from reaching my goals? <laughs> this is a great question to ask because sometimes our goals feel really disconnected from our meal that moment. So if you stop for just a second and be like, you know what, this is, this is probably going to hinder me from reaching my goals. Maybe I need to rethink this one a little bit. That is good intuitive eating, okay? So finally, with intuitive eating, we're actively capturing our thoughts around food. We're bringing our brain into the picture. We're not eating haphazardly anymore. And when we capture our thoughts around food, we're able to ask questions like, am I leaning more towards a diet mentality right now? Or am I staying balanced about this? Because sometimes we don't know. Maybe if we stop and look at our attitude about food, maybe we'll realize like, man, I do kind of gravitate towards more of a dieting restrictive attitude when it comes to food. Huh, maybe when I stop, I can notice that a little bit more. We can also ask, am I obsessing or worshiping my food choices at all? Sometimes this is obvious for someone who thinks that they eat perfectly. If you stop and look at the way that you're eating, you can say, you know what? I actually obsess too much or I worship the way that I eat food. And then we can also capture thoughts about, am I demonizing certain foods or even finding myself judging other people for their food choices? So being able to ask all these questions surrounding food is what makes up being an intuitive eater. I was just going to say, and this is a fine line, because you talked earlier about turning your brain up, right. being mindful of what we're eating. But there's a definite distinction between being mindful and being obsessive. True. So you want to constantly be checking yourself that you're thinking about the questions that we talked about. But if you'll notice with all of those questions, there's not restrictions there. Right. It's not a black or white yes or no for each food that you're looking at. It's a broad way to look at what you're eating. Yeah. And so you always want to be checking back to make sure that it's not going from being mindful to being obsessive. Very, very true. Because with intuitive eating, there's never, 
I don't see someone who's a good intuitive eater being almost enslaved to their food. It's almost the opposite. If someone is mindful and aware and mature about their attitude with food, they're not worshiping it. They're not obsessing about it. And that's when you can really enjoy eating. That's when you get pleasure in eating. So intuitive eating is beginning with a strong, healthy framework of eating habits and then thinking through it all far more than you normally do. You can see how that if we were able to pause, slow down, and ask ourselves these questions whenever we eat, we're probably going to make better choices for our body in the long run, right? And ultimately, this wisdom-based style of eating is exactly how you turn those simple, healthy eating guidelines into a lifestyle that you can maintain for the remainder of your life, which is, I think, what we all want with eating. All right, now intuitive training. This may be a new concept for some of you, and this was a new concept for Scott. So based on what we learned with intuitive eating, what do you think intuitive training might be, Scott? Uh, Being mindful, paying attention to your body. Yeah. Not obsessing. Mm-hmm. So just like intuitive eating, training intuitively means that you begin with a set of training guidelines, but then you use your own wisdom and discernment to ultimately guide your workout choices. I think that often with our workouts, we can blindly follow a workout program or just show up to classes or plug and play a DVD and never stop to think through how it's working for our bodies, which is okay when you're first starting out, when you're like, I literally have no idea what to do. <laughs> but there needs to be a switch that flips at some point and you become a little bit more involved (laughs) with your workout journey. So if you can bring some intuition, mindfulness and wisdom into your training, you can ask those same critical questions and make better, wiser workout choices. So if you're not intuitively training, you could be overtraining. This is one thing that might happen if you're not bringing wisdom to your workout space. You could be asking way too much from your body and have no idea. Your body might be crying out for a rest and recovery, but you're continuing to pound it into the ground. I would say that someone who overtrains the heck out of their body is not intuitively training. That's just dumb. (laughs) Which might be the antithesis for intuition is just dumb training. Dumb training. (laughs) Dumb training. Now, another thing is undertraining. If you're not intuitively training, you could be undertraining. Maybe you're not asking enough from your body. Your body could be crying out for more attention. Maybe you're just automatically following like a one day a week routine. You're showing up to that one class every week, but your body isn't actually improving in any way and you're not actually strong and fit and healthy. Also, if you're not intuitively training, you could be doing the wrong training. Maybe you're a runner and you run four or five days a week, but your body keeps breaking and getting injured somehow and you're just not listening to it. Or maybe you strength train hard, like really hard, and you keep trying to lift heavy, 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 and your body isn't recovering well and you're just exhausted and you're just not balancing out your training with other effective methods that help you ultimately improve. This is just kind of doing all the wrong kinds of training. You're not balancing things out. So those are the things that if you're not intuitively training, you could be overtraining, you could be undertraining, you could be doing the wrong kind of training. Just like with intuitive eating, we need to start with the right education, the right framework about training. It's important that we're aiming, and this will be kind of just a broad overview, real quick, of what good, healthy framework for good training is. 
Aim for four to five total hours of physical activity over the course of the week. And a lot of people are like, what? (laughs) That's a lot. (laughs) But listen, okay, so four to five total hours of physical activity and try to make one and a half to two hours of that moderate to high intensity activity. So the type of activity that challenges your your muscular system, your cardiorespiratory system, and make the rest of those hours like low intensity movement, like walking or yoga or something simple, easy. Another thing with the right framework about training is that resistance training is important and should be a large portion of those moderate to high intensity hours. Your resistance training should be geared toward total body functional movement patterns that encourage your body to operate better and be stronger in all planes of motion. And you guys, we did an entire podcast episode on functional training, and I will link it in the show notes if you want to dive into that a little deeper of what that actually means. And then your training should be able to check all the boxes of strength, power, cardiovascular endurance, flexibility, balance, and coordination. And it needs to address any weak or dysfunctional aspects of your body. You shouldn't be working around an injury. So if you can say that your training is, yeah, it's doing all those things, you're in a good place, then that's awesome. So these healthy training habits become your starting point. Your initial guidelines for when you're in doubt. These are the concrete like not rules, but just the habit, so to speak, just like with intuitive eating that you can always fall back on just to make, just to check in with to make sure that you're on track. Okay, so that lays the groundwork that we can build upon with intuitive training. So then you turn your brain on and your intuition way up. Okay, this is where intuitive training comes into play. I want you to start noticing how certain movements and full workouts make you feel. Do you feel energetic or do you feel completely zapped after you did that kind of workout? Are you always feeling zapped after your workouts or maybe you feel powerful and strong? Do you feel hurt (laughs) or do you even like it? I used to train, I mean, years ago, just pounding myself in the pavement training for marathons. And I, looking back, I don't know if I was, obviously, if I was constantly injured, I wasn't training properly, but after every run, I would get back. And if you were to ask that, ask me that question, are you hurt? I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> I'm in so much pain. I look at the, do you even like it? I never like it. That's a different problem. <laughs> but I think there's a lot of people that will work out and just like be checking off boxes. And if you stop and ask them, like, do you even like what you're doing? They'd be like, no, I hate this so much. And I think there's, you're shaking your head, Scott, but I think there are types of workouts that you do prefer more than others. That is true. And being intuitive about it is saying, you know what, I'm going to gravitate more towards stuff that I actually enjoy and stop trying to do things that I hate, you know? I think check in with yourself periodically also to see if your workouts are moving you closer towards your goals. I mean, that seems like it should be a no-brainer, but sometimes we never do that. We just follow the map and assume that it's getting us where we want. But we could be expending a ton of time and energy doing something that's not moving us anywhere. I think with intuitive training, we need to make sure that we have that framework, that plan in place, but then learn that it's okay to be flexible within the workout session itself and maybe within your your whole workout week itself. 
Maybe something is not what your body needs today. I mean, maybe what you have on your agenda for the day is like a light active recovery or yoga session, but really you just want to lift some weights. You're like, man, I've had a rough day and I just feel like I need to get some sweat out and I want to feel that just powerful strength feeling and yoga is just not going to cut it today. So it's okay to be flexible and shift gears and be like, man, I really like the exercises in this routine. I'm going to do that one today. Or maybe you have a heavy weightlifting session or like a long run on your schedule and you can tell that your body needs something easier, something simpler. Maybe you're craving something easy, okay, but you know you need the higher, more intense training today. Maybe you can tell that your mind and your motivation is feeling a little lazy. That's a hard piece of intuitive intuitive training to recognize like, man, I know what I want today, but I know what I actually need. And to listen to that and have that bigger picture in mind. Perhaps as you get going through your workout, maybe something's just not clicking. And so instead of throwing in the towel completely and just ending your workout there, maybe you just pick a few exercises that aren't even on your list of on your workout sheet, a few exercises that you know that you love and you feel confident with, and you just do those instead. Is that a waste? No, you're still moving, you're still training, you're still doing something active and good. I think another thing with intuitive training is that perhaps your intuition is telling you to add something else in because you know it will feel good and it's what your body needs. So Scott, you see me do this a lot. (laughs) There are many evenings during the week that maybe that morning, I had a really hard workout that morning. And by the evening time, I can tell things are just getting stiff and tight and sore. And so instead of just like resting on the couch, I go grab the foam roller and stretch and go through some yoga flows in the living room and try to move things out. And you do this too. You'll go grab the roller. Oh yeah. I mean, you just get to the end of the day, you're stiff, you're hurting a little bit, and you know it's going to be something easy, but it's really going to make you feel better. Yeah. And I mean, sure, we've already checked off the workout for the day and realistically you don't have to. You're not supposed to do anything else but your intuition is telling you that it's going to feel better everything's going to heal a little bit better if you work out those stiff muscles so you're listening you're paying attention to what your body wants and needs in that moment i mean sometimes perhaps your intuition is telling you that you need to take a step back for a month or to push it hard for a month and All of that is just trying to stop and listen to what's going on in your body and not just following rules. I think finally with intuitive training, you're actively capturing your thoughts around your workouts. You're checking in and you can ask yourself questions like, am I leaning more towards an obsessive mindset about exercise or am I staying balanced about all this? And maybe if you can say, you know what, I've become, I've become a little too obsessed. That might be a clue that maybe I need to take a step back this month, not train six days a week, maybe just do four and learn how to be content with that. You can also ask yourself, am I trying to be a perfectionist to my own detriment? Maybe I have my workout plan and I'm so enslaved to that list of exercises that I'm like trying to do it so perfectly that it's putting this pressure on me that's not helping. It's just not helping me at all. And also ask yourself, if I'm being honest, is this pattern of training that I'm doing right now the best thing for my body as a whole? 
Am I missing anything or am I neglecting anything? Like maybe you think it's the thing that's burning the most calories or helping you lose the most weight right now, but maybe maybe it's not helping you as a whole, you know? So I really think that even though intuitive training is kind of this new idea, and I don't know if it's even a, a bigger idea out there or if I just came up with it. Just Megan's idea. It's just me. But I think, I really think that when our wisdom and intuition can come into play with our training on so many levels, it's going to feel so much better. It doesn't need to look the same for all of us. But just as with eating, it's important to begin by following certain guidelines first. Okay, make sure that the routine and the habits that are healthy are in place from the start. And then as you become more knowledgeable and in tune with your body, you can make adjustments on the fly that will ultimately help you feel your absolute best. You can say that you're no longer just going through the motions and checking off boxes. You can bring your brain (laughs) into the picture and start to actually enjoy the process. So I think at the end of the day, the worst thing that we can all be doing with our eating and exercising is to just blindly follow rules. If this is something that you want to last forever, if you want to have a lifestyle where you consistently eat healthy, you consistently exercise and you truly do enjoy it and you enjoy the way it makes your body feel, then you need to be more intuitive about it all. Don't just check off the boxes, but begin to own your journey. Own it. (laughs) It's yours. You're an active participant in it. Feel that. Feel your journey in a deeper way. Look for insights and clues and make choices that are wise and mature. Sound good? All right, you guys, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for joining us again on this week's episode of the Strong Mamas podcast. Don't forget, if you feel like you want to dive into this conversation around intuitive eating, intuitive training, and you want to learn it even more, make sure that you go join the Strong Mamas squad. This is your formal invitation. I want you there. You're going to get so much more out of what we talk about on the podcast each week when you're part of that community and feel like you are part of that group. So go check out the show notes and you can find the link where you can reach request to join the Strong Mama Squad. Also, don't forget, take a moment to leave a quick review, guys, and let us know what you think about the podcast. And until next week, we'll talk to you later. <laughs>